Welcome to the Homeschool High School podcast brought to you by sevensistershomeschool.com and the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I'm Vicki and I am so excited today because I have a rare treat. So I want to tell everybody, I haven't even told Amber this. So we're talking today to Amber O'Neill Johnston. Some of you guys already know her and if you don't, you're going to know her by the end of this episode. So in our six years of podcasting, I think it's been that long. I have only invited an author twice. We've had, you know, people contact us. And they, the other one was, was Anita Gibson and her book, Starfinder. And I read that and I go like, I want to talk to Anita like this, this, I love this book. I got through with Amber's, the first chapter in her book. It's a new book, hot off the press. You know, it's called A Place to Belong. And the, the subtitle is Celebrating Diversity and Kinship in the Home and Beyond. I got through that first chapter and I said, I have to talk to this mom. She's a homeschool mom. I have to talk to her in person. So I, I just randomly, you know, like, like sent her an email. And then as soon as I sent the email, I went to her website and, you know, let, let me read about Amber and found out she's been on NPR. She's been on in Christianity Today, like all these things. And I'm like, oh, okay. But Amber, Amber had time for us. And I would love for you guys to get to know her. So Amber, say hey to everybody and tell us about you and your homeschool journey. Oh, well, hello. And thank you for having me. Um, I live outside of Atlanta, Georgia with my husband, Scott, and um, we have four children. We've been homeschooling from the beginning and we are the least likely candidates for homeschooling. That's what I always say. Um, I grew up with two public school principals for my parents (laughs) and my sister and my grandfather were elected public school officials on the school board. Um, And so, and my husband is also a product of public education. And so the thought that we would not use it was just kind of unfathomable, unfathomable to me. So when our oldest was about three or maybe just turned four, my husband approached me and said that he'd really like to give homeschooling a try. He's a jokester. So Mm -hmm. I assumed this was like one of his jokey pranks and I just burst out <laughs> laughing and he started laughing. So I was like, okay, that was funny. haha. And, and the next week he's like, so I, I have a confession. He was like, when I asked you about homeschooling last week, I actually wasn't laughing. He said it was nervous laughter that I had <laughs> after I saw how hilarious you thought it was. So we had a serious conversation about it. And at the time, our, our, you know, the conversation was really about acceleration, mm-hmm. you know, as I've now realized every mom thinks her firstborn is just so precocious and brilliant and, and all. And he, he felt the same. And we thought she has a late birthday and we didn't want to wait another year for her to begin school. So yeah. we thought, well, we'll homeschool her for a couple of years and then roll her in. Well, during that time of preparation, like those months and really a year kind of leading into this decision, I started reading and it didn't matter which direction I read in, even people who maybe disagree later in the, in the older years as to Mm -hmm. how, you know, education should be handled Mm -hmm. in the younger years, they all agreed. And they all said, slow down, stop rushing the children, let them have a childhood, Um, move at their own pace, spend plenty of time outdoors, use their hands, work on habits and character development. And I was like, wow, all of these people, when people who don't disagree, who don't agree 
on other things, agree on something, yeah. I start really listening. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I think that we had this all wrong. Mm-hmm. And so we started homeschooling in order to accelerate our children. Um, but we continue homeschooling now in order to give them a fuller, um, kind of slower paced lifestyle. That doesn't mean academically slow, but their lifestyle is slower. Yeah. So that's kind of how we landed in homeschooling. Yeah. And that's been how many years now, do you think? We are coming into our seventh or eighth year. Yeah. Depends on if you count, you know, right. I, I thought I was proudly homeschooling pre-K. Yeah. I mean, I was doing all the things, so mm-hmm. I don't know if I count that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lifestyle. All of life is education when you let it be. So, all right. And so you're a homeschool mom and you're also an author. Yes. So tell us about a place to belong and how it came to be. What was um, on your heart? Yes. I had been looking for, obviously, you know, typical homeschooler mom, a big reader. And I'm when so much was going on with our nation and things were becoming so divisive in a way that I had never experienced in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a book that would help me focus on what I could be working on in my home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know there are books about corporate world and healthcare and what the government should be doing and broader society, but as a mom with my children and right there, I could find very few books that were talking about these societal issues in terms of um, race and ethnicity. And, you know, what was this diversity inclusion Mm -hmm. and equity that I kept hearing about in this work world, but how did that play out in my home? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't find very many. And the ones that I did find, it seemed like they were almost asking the readers to make a choice between celebrating the child in front of you and ignoring the uniqueness of that child in order to all come together. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, you can pick which type of book you want. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel pretty selfish because I kind of want both, Both, right? Yes. I I feel that the children sitting right in front of me are very special and unique. And I want to have a celebratory home atmosphere where they feel like I see them and that I love what I see. But at the same time, I don't want them to become so self-centered and, and so, uh, you know, always inwardly focused that they fail to reach out to other people and Mm -hmm. all of the wonderful things that I want them to believe about themselves. I want them to believe those same things about other people too. And so I looked and I looked and I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to write it. I would love to share kind of what our journey has been in our own home. So it is part memoir. There's a lot of storytelling in the book, but I also would like to make a kind of anthropological like contribution to the literary world in terms of what a homeschooling mom in in this day and age with children living in, you know, amid COVID and divisiveness, like where we're standing on these issues. And so it was a bit of a manifesto. And then finally, I wanted to offer some some guidance to parents like me who are sitting at home and wanting to make a difference, but can't go out and do all of the impact, all of the different things that you may see on the news each day. And I'm thinking, man, it's underestimated the impact that we make when we raise our children to think differently. So um, it's part guide. So memoir manifesto guide. That's what I set out to create. And that's kind of why I did it. There was nothing like that. I still haven't found anything. No one yet has told me, oh, this reminds me of such and such book. It's different than everything that I've seen. 
that that is exactly what I felt like when I was reading it is I felt like I was reading three books <laughs> that were integrated in a very beautiful way. And the, the thing that really caught my heart was the beauty of the writing. Oh, it you. was like, like excellent writing talent so that the things are communicated in a way that feels so beautiful that it helps you think about it. So one of the things that really stood out to me was your concept of, of books and mirrors and windows. So I wondered if you could talk about mirrors and windows for a second. Sure. So for me, when I first started working with my children, I was using a lot of book lists that were floating around on the yeah. internet, easy to find. Um, a lot of what my friends and the other people around me were using and the books were really good. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, we're on a roll here, but my children weren't responding to all of the books in the same way. And it wasn't so much that the books I was giving them were bad. It was that mm-hmm. they were in the list, the book lists were incomplete and one of my children made the point that she, that we never read books with people that look like her. And that was heartbreaking to me because that wasn't something that I had done intentionally. I was just wanting to do a really good job. Yeah. And so I was rather than trusting myself, I didn't know if I knew what should children be reading. So I was following book lists, well, popular, you know, popular book lists. So anyway, as I started researching, like what went wrong, like how could these books not get the same results for me that it seemed they seemingly getting for everyone else. And the more that I investigated, I realized that um, we, we, our book lists weren't expansive enough. And so this idea of needing books on your shelves that are mirrors, literary mirrors, where your children can see themselves and their families and communities reflected, Mm -hmm. where they feel like I am important enough that someone decided to write about me, that I, that my life experience, the way that I see the world and kind of experience life is actually something that's shared culturally with other people. And there are people writing about it. There are stories starring little children like me or teens or adults who are out there changing the world. And my kids didn't have very many of those. And the ones we did have certainly weren't school books. They were kind of like fun reads over on the Mm -hmm. side. Mm -hmm. So that idea of books as mirrors really stuck with me. And what I loved the most about the idea was that that it doesn't stop there. We also can look to books to be windows where um, our, ourselves, all ages, right? Everyone can, can learn about other people and how they live and how they see the world by reading their words and their experiences. And in the book I talk about, you know, there's always the danger of the single story. So when we are looking at windows, we can't just say, well, I want a window about a girl in Pakistan and see what her life is like. And I think last year, the with my girls who are older, we read five books about girls in Pakistan. And each of the books came from a completely different direction. Mm-hmm. And I started to really truly understand the power of story and how we need to get all these various stories before we can even begin to piece together someone else's experience, um, even from the outside. So I just love those ideas of mirrors and windows. I use it for my own personal reading. I use it to, you know, uh, plan the reading for my children. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I'll say, um, one of the first talks that I did 
um, when I kind of went public with these ideas, the needing, you know, the ideas of inside the book. I used to talk about those all the time before I wrote the book. I'm so glad you wrote the book. So there are so many ideas in the book. Like, so like, it's like a memoir and it's, it's the concepts of, of, of mirrors and windows and, uh, and also just some good concrete ideas. So I was wondering, so I'm hitting you just like broadside, you know, okay. it's like, is there a favorite story you have or just something that comes to mind where you, your kids go, oh my gosh, this book, I see myself here. Like they loved the book. Oh, wow. There are so many. Yeah. Um, let me see. Now this one is going to be really surprising. Okay. okay. My second daughter, she, so we love Etsy, this website where you can yeah. go and get handmade goods. It's like yeah. our favorite website. Yeah. And one of the shops that we frequent and it, the maker creates, like if you send her a book cover, she creates a necklace with that book cover hanging oh from gosh. it. And we use it as uh -huh. gifts for authors that we know uh -huh. when their books come out, we get them a little necklace like that. Uh -huh. So my daughter says, well, mom, I want to get one for myself. And you know, I'm like, what did you write? <laughs> and she's like, but with my favorite book cover on it. And I said, Sasha, I was like, okay, but I knew what her favorite book was. And the subtitle of her favorite book says a, the story of a slave, the diary of a slave girl. And I said, Sasha, I don't think that's a good necklace to wear, honey. <laughs> and I was like, for so many reasons. And she's like, but I love the book and I would love to like represent that, you know? And I said, okay. I said, I'm a little concerned because you are always reading these slave narratives and they're very traumatic and yeah. kind of steeped in trauma and tragedy. Can yeah. you talk to me about that? Cause I don't know that that's necessarily a good space for you to swim in all the time. Mm -hmm. And she said, Oh, she said, mama, you think they're sad, but she's like, they make me happy. And then I was like, how does this make you happy? And she said, because I love hearing stories about how my ancestors persevered, how yeah. strong they were. She said, it makes me feel strong and it makes me feel special. Oh. And I said, oh my gosh, I could never have interpreted that that way. So for her, one of her favorite books is the diary of Clotie. It's this diary of a slave girl. She's probably read it and I'm not exaggerating. She's probably read it 20 times. Wow. Um, it was written by her favorite author, Patricia McKissick, who's no longer with us. And um, she just loves hearing this idea that even in the worst of circumstances, a person can choose to have joy. That's what she told me. So um, I think that that's an example of a child taking a different, completely different interpretation of something than what we as adults would take. Um, and so my other daughter would never choose to read that. Her um, favorite book last year was Amari and the Night Brothers, which is a fantasy book by a first time author. And it, it just blew everyone out of the water. It's by B.B. Alston. And um, it's about a girl who um, doesn't realize that she has kind of like these magical powers and she enters into this fantasy world and all that. But on the cover, she has this like big curly hair, like this uh, big Afro. Yeah. And, and, you know, my daughter said, mommy, I never get to see myself in a fantasy story. Yes. So um, they have different tastes, but those are two books that they've brought up to me as being really impactful. One of the things that stood out to me in your book 
um, was being an askable parent, you know, to let kids ask questions or have opinions that you don't shoot down, that you listen to. Yeah. So your your daughter who loved the story of Clotie, you didn't say like, oh my gosh, we should never, you know, dwell on that. Instead, you asked a curious question. So yeah. you gave her space to explain herself. And you didn't tell your next daughter, oh, you know, fantasy is not good literature. Yes. You said, let's, let's have fun with that. Yes, so definitely. So important, I think, is to be that, that askable parent and allow children to explore and grow in that way. I know it's interesting. People have asked me before, like, oh, how do you get your kids to read Shakespeare? You know, my kids think it's so boring. Like they don't want to read it. And I'm like, because I let her read Amari and the Night Brothers, you know, yes. it's like she has a literary life. And so they don't balk at things that they have to work harder to process or mm-hmm. things that aren't the hottest thing because they also are reading um, broadly and mm-hmm. they're getting, you know, their fill of the things that really light them up or that are mm-hmm. easier to read. So yeah. anyway, and by the way, I did let her get that necklace too. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> You're an awesome mom. Yeah. So I, you know, we, one of the things also I appreciate about the book and I may end up doing this myself because there's just so much I don't have kids in the house anymore. My kids are grown, but there is so much to think about in the book. And there are, it's a study guide for moms in the back of the book where you could sit with a group of moms and discuss the chapter. There's prompt questions. So for us geeky moms, I think we will all enjoy that. So, all right. So Amber, I know you're a busy person besides being a mom. Tell me about some of the things that, that you are doing. So about your website and speaking and all. Tell tell us about that. So under the brand name Heritage Mom, I basically write and speak about a variety of things. Sometimes it's just general homeschooling. Um, And even then I'm still working under this kind of mission that I have to help just diversify even the stories within the homeschooling world. So I think even when I'm walking, writing about my son's fishing or what we're reading that day, I still am doing that intentionally um, to help normalize um, our, you know, our, our, the say that we're here too, and, and, and sharing in this lifestyle, this lovely lifestyle. But um, I share book lists and um, a lot of fiction books, but also I break down historical books, history books by historical time period, because so many homeschoolers kind of, we pace our years in that way. You bet. And so people can look up each historical time period and find my recommendations for black history books that my family has really enjoyed biographies, historical mm-hmm. fiction, nonfiction, picture books, poetry, art, music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I, I have packs called heritage packs, which are lesson guides mm-hmm. and they're topical. So one thing that was frustrating to me, I would be trying to teach my children about things and, and there would be like a paragraph about mm-hmm. say the Harlem Renaissance in a history mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. And I would, and I'm like, wait, that was like four sentences and we're done. Like that's yeah. all we're going to say about it. And so I was like, I'm going to, you know, we're going to study this all year. And so I would share my lesson plans that I, I share the lesson plans I use with my own kids. I put them on my website when I'm done so that other people can see like which videos we use and which books we read and when, um, and we have one for the civil rights and, um, just general black history. We have a study on the culture of Africa. We have melanated tales, folk tales. And I know, um, so cute. I was, myths. I was looking at that. Yeah. Oh, it's my son's <laughs> favorite. I have my little guy actually sitting here 
on the other side of the camera uh, and he just enjoyed it so much fairy tales folk tales and myths mm-hmm. and all um, with you know brown characters and stories mm-hmm. from different countries so um, those are the things that I do on my website and social media, Heritage mm-hmm. Mom blog. I'm active on Instagram and Facebook, but I also speak at conferences. I think I've spoken, I need to count, but I think I've spoken at 12 or 13 conferences this mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. Um, where I just try to get out and share some of these ideas with parents yeah. all across the nation. Um, and the ideas are pretty simple. And what's been very positive to me when I share about my book or the work that I do it's very rare that someone rejects these ideas. Yeah. What usually happens is they say, I never thought about that. Yeah. And that's very motivating to me because yeah. it, it, it helps me, it encourages me to keep going and yeah. to continue talking about these things, because I think these are things that people do want for their families, but yeah. they just might not quite know how to articulate it or how to pursue this type of living. Yeah. And that's it. You know, we, we are all in this homeschooling Thing together and in the world together and to, to have some concrete ideas yes. on opening those windows and giving our kids the mirrors for themselves so they feel good and, and accepted right at home and also accepting in the world outside them. And what a, what a gift we can give that next generation. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So thank you, Amber. And so I, I just, I'm going to put links to everything and I cannot encourage everybody enough to get a copy of a place to belong by Amber O'Neill Johnston. And uh, just really appreciate you spending some time with us. Oh, thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So this has been the homeschool high school podcast brought to you by seven sisters, homeschool.com and the ultimate homeschool podcast network. We will see you next week.